All right. Hey, everybody. Here we are again. This is Scott. Got David here with me. Hey, Dave. Yeah, so good to be here, Scott. What a great time of the year, huh? Yeah, such a great time of the year, right in the holiday so season. Much so much to be grateful for and uh, look and forward to and celebrate. Try to finish off the year strong and look forward to a new year and all the great things that goes with that. And I, I also... My heart really goes out, Scott, to those who have such a hard time this time of year. I always think about that. I I guess I learned that really intimately, you know, being a bishop yeah. and some of the lonely people. And for those who, who have those challenges or who are alone, or it just seems like this season can also magnify uh, any loneliness or adversity that individuals are going through so it's the it's the best of times and it's the worst of times i guess yeah it really is you know uh this time of year and i begin to see it already it's probably not early it feels like it's early to be seeing this but this time of year uh in the rooms of recovery dave we see a lot of just intense despair Mm. You know, coming through, it's just, like you said, it seems to just kind of amplify yeah. what's going on. And so if things are good, it can amplify that. But if things are just uh, really kind of bad for people, that can seem amplified as well. And that amplification can cause a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of despair, a lot of discouragement, yes. a lot of sadness this time, a lot of loneliness. Oh, so many, uh, so many sad things too. Even in the world this time of year, you know. Um, but Scott and I, I don't want to uh, minimize the loneliness and despair others feel at all. But oh, if we could all just know that um, wherever we go or whatever condition in life we're at or place it in life we're at, that the Savior is with us, the Savior is cheering for us. Uh, he's advocating for us, uh, that he's with us. I, I, I just, I just wish that myself and all of us could just really deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is the perfect time of the year to, to really do that, you know, to contemplate his birth and his life and his death, um, Remembering, President Hinckley said, there'd be no Christmas if it were not for Easter. We should think about Easter in Christmas, in the season of Christmas. We should think about Christmas at the time of Easter. We should, we should always be thinking about Jesus Christ. And if, if we have a, a relationship with him, Scott, um, and we have the Holy Ghost with us, a comforter, companion, administering the gifts, blessings, mercy, grace of the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life. Again, I, I can't ever judge and wouldn't want to trade places with anybody, but, um, wow, it, it could really be a season of light, a season of warmth, a season of joy and peace it would seem like for anybody who had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, it, it is a time when ultimately, you know, we'll be celebrating his birth. And I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 I love Christmas uh, for all that it is and all that it means, uh, especially as it relates to the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But Easter, that, that's it for me. Yeah, that's, that's really where I feel that... Uh, and I'm grateful that we have Christmas uh, again, but uh, you know that that Easter season when we really celebrate uh, the sacrifice, the bitter cup, the the descending below all things. You know that's that's really what gives Christmas. Because I've had those Christmases, <laughs> I've had those Christmases that were lonely. Yeah, I, I remember my first Christmas. Um, recently divorced. Um, my kids were not with me. I was drinking like crazy. And, and I just remember that I, a Christmas Eve, sitting in my home alone, my apartment alone, and just being super sad. Mm. But the very next Christmas, 
my conditions hadn't changed much except that I was in recovery now. Mm -hmm. And I was working on a relationship with my higher power as a second step in recovery. I was working on that relationship with Jesus. And it was a different Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, I was still alone. Yeah. I wasn't drinking anymore, but I was still alone. Uh, I, I, nothing in my life had changed much except for now I had the spirit in my life a a little more Yeah, and it made a huge difference. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. Encourage everybody to do what you need to do to walk with him during this period of time. Even those of us who are, are celebrating wonderful things in our lives and, and few challenges, relatively speaking, uh, Christmas is never really Christmas if we don't walk with the Savior through Christmas. Yeah. I think we should, you know, we started this podcast, Scott, doing Easter. I think we should uh, do a podcast. I was going to say maybe we should end it with Christmas, but I, th- I think we'll continue through the new year. But um, we should do a special podcast in the next week or so on uh on Christmas and really look at the events of Christmas and the application of some of those Christmas stories in our life here and now. Yeah, I, I think that'd be wonderful. People have asked for that already. I, as I've talked to people, they've asked, are you going to be doing that? And, and I've kind of told them, yeah, I think tentatively we will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. let's, let's also talk about what we talked about earlier, Dave, uh, beginning in January, I think we're going to plan on doing sort of a series, uh, a seminar almost, if you will. Uh, and, you know, we can call it whatever we want, but it'll be, it's sort of um, focused on living our lives more intentionally. Yeah, living a life of intention or, in other words, living a intentional life of purpose. Yeah. You know, um, we need to talk about that. That's been on my heart a lot lately is how can I be more intentional in my life, living in intention? It seems like that's a word that the prophets are using a lot these days. President Nelson, uh, I read a talk recently again by Elder Renland. Others are using that word, and, and I love it. I think I first really honed in on it when President Nelson talked about what it means to pray with real intent. And I think that prayer is really kind of the the key to living an intentional life. And so I think it would be fun for us to do a prayer seminar and to talk about how a a uh, intentional life is centered in our prayer life. And uh, how is our prayer life? What can we do to improve our prayer life? And uh, you know, do do some things on that that would Help us to strengthen our relationship with Jesus Christ. So listeners, this would be a great time to get input from you. If you have questions along those lines, or if you have thoughts or ideas or something that you'd like for us to address along the lines of prayer or living our lives with more intention, uh, don't hesitate to send us your requests or your comments. He redeems us at gmail.com, still our email address. So don't hesitate to send us those if you like. Well, so as to, let's let's talk today, Scott, about how I use the word advocate, and I, I've been thinking about uh, you know discussing with with you and uh, sharing with our listeners what it kind of means that uh, that title. I, I there, there's over a hundred titles, right, of Jesus, Lord, Redeemer, Savior, Friend. I love that title. I love the the title of righteous is one of his titles. I love how that's capitalized in a few places in the scriptures. Uh, I love all the titles of Jesus, but I really I really love the title advocate, and it's in the New Testament one time. It's in the Doctrine and Covenants five times, in the uh, Book of Mormon once. So that's that's seven times in the standard works. Uh, which I think is really sweet. I, I think it's also once not describing Jesus, but it's it's also once in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. But I want to I want to just talk talk about uh, Doctrine and Covenants section forty five today, verses uh, three through five and verse eight. Talk about this for a minute, and then maybe break this down a little bit. I think this is really one of the real profound revelations. Uh, in the 
Doctrine and Covenants, and uh, one of the real gems of the Restoration. Uh, this section 45 is so amazing. The prophet Joseph Smith, who has this revelation, and Jesus is speaking in first person to the Father, and it's in the present, and then later he, the prophet sees Joseph Smith, or Joseph Smith sees Jesus on the Mount of Olives, with his disciples, and he he envisions all of these things in this section. I just think it's an, a, an amazing revelation, and uh, it's one of my favorite sections, I think, in the Doctrine and Covenants. So verse uh, verses 3 through 5, Scott, if you want to read those, please. Yeah, you got it. Uh, so uh, this is uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 45. This is verse 3, beginning with verse 3. Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father. Yeah, notice the word with, Scott. So right off the bat, I just want to say that, you know, sometimes people read this and you get this wrong picture that Jesus is the good guy and the Father is kind of the hard guy, good cop, bad cop here, and that uh, Jesus is the merciful one and God is the God of justice. Well, they're they're the same, right? He's advocating with the Father. They're they're having this conversation, which I just think is so sweet that we get a, a glimpse of this, and that uh, they're both cheering us on. They're both cheering for us. Jesus paid the price. Jesus is the one that suffered for our sins, so of course he's advocating with the Father. But I think it's significant, and it doesn't say that he's advocating to the Father, in our behalf. He's advocating with him. Yeah, you know, uh, sometimes, David, when you think of an advocate, I, I, uh, most of what we do, we associate to what we relate to. And what we relate to in our culture as an advocate sometimes is an, inter- an attorney and a the law, judge. The law. Exactly. An attorney and a judge relationship. Yeah, so a court, when, we, a when, court. We, when we think of Jesus in that way, yes. advocating for us, then we think that he's, the attor- he's like an attorney pleading our case to God who you know, in that scenario would be looking at reasons not to. But here they're working together, advocating together. Yes. It's a partnership in our behalf. Yes. <laughs> in I our... love that. I yeah. Have you ever had to be an advocate for somebody in court? I have. So have I. Yeah. My son. I had to, the attorney, his prosecuting, um, or his defense attorney, he was being prosecuted, and his defense attorney who was a public defender, right? came to me and said, uh, Mr. Durfee, uh, I really think uh, Isaac would be blessed if you would advocate for him in court to the judge. And I remember um, me thinking, wow, wow, what a responsibility to advocate for my son in front of the judge. And I remember writing it out, actually. I wrote it out because I didn't want to get all emotional or lose my thought, and I put so much effort into that. Right. And uh, it was really, it was really a, a kind of a life-changing experience for me, Scott. And as I was advocating for my son and saying things from my heart, in, the, in about the middle of it, I said something about Isaac and he Isaac was standing next to me with the defender on the other side of him, and uh, Isaac just fell down. Mm. He he was so overcome by what I was saying about wow. him, yeah, and so brokenhearted, you know, probably on his way to prison, and he just literally he just fell just down, collapsed, yeah, just collapsed, yeah, yeah. Fell down on the floor, weeping. Overcome. And the, the this suite happened to be a woman, public defender, reaching, going down with him and helping him to stand back up. Mm-hmm. It was it was a, it was really an unbelievable experience. So when I think of of this experience that we get a glimpse of here of Jesus advocating with the Father. That's that's kind of how I... Yeah. 
advocating before the law or before the court of justice, um, you know, that, hey, look, the father is saying, I have a plan, and he fulfilled it, and he has suffered it, and the son saying, I've given everything. I gave my all. I gave blood for him that he doesn't have to perish. Uh, it's quite a picture. Yeah, I mean, I've been yeah, there. Yeah, there's, there's something about that. I've done it twice, both times with people that I sponsor in recovery, uh-huh. uh, and both times went very well. Um, but it, but it's interesting because it's like, as that advocate, you know, the, the judge wanted to talk to me too, you know, wanted to know has so-and-so, I mean, can you give me an overall feeling and, you know, talk, let's talk about their doings. What has happened? What have they done? And it was almost, you know, being that advocate, I almost felt a sense of responsibility as well. I mean, in fact, a huge sense of responsibility to make sure that my advocation was accurate, was correct, mm-hmm. was thorough, mm-hmm. you know, and all of those other things. Me being imperfect, I'm sure it wasn't any of those things to perfection. Yep. But, uh, you know, what a sweet experience we have to have that, you know, with our Savior. But not, to, but, it, but it's different because that judge that I was advocating for, too, that judge that you were advocating to, right. it's a different scenario. You know, totally. Totally. Yeah, they're, 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 they're in partnership with the law. Yeah, my judge actually started to cry when I was at the Oh, how cool. Yeah. Tears. He was wiping away his tears. Yeah. And, uh, and so was I, and yeah. I collapsed on the floor, and the sentence was yeah. three to five years because Isaac had not repented. You know, I was advocating for him. It's a total different experience than what we're reading about here in yep. Doctrine and Covenants section forty-five. Yeah, is that uh, all that he, all that Jesus did for us? Unless we receive it, which we're going to read about here in just a minute, unless we receive it, it can't redeem us. So, even though I was an advocate, I, I. I wanted. I would have been willing to try to suffer for Isaac, but I just I couldn't. Or all the suffering in the world wouldn't be enough, because he had not done the things that he knew that he should do. I mean, I mean, you know, this isn't the first time when you're going to prison. Yeah, it's, it's not the first time no. you've mess, messed up. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he had been in jail a couple of times before that, and so you know it was a totally different experience, but. Anyway, whenever I read this about Jesus and the Father advocating, I think of that experience. Well, let's go back to it, and I'll start uh, at the very beginning again. And this is, again, Doctrine and Covenants, section 45. We're starting in verse 3. Listen to him who is the advocate with the Father who is pleading your cause before him, saying, Father, behold the suffering and the death of him who did no sin, in whom thou wast well pleased. Behold the blood of thy son, which was shed, the blood of him whom thou gavest, that thyself might be glorified. So let's let's focus on the blood here again, Scott. Twice, twice he mentions the blood. You know, our, our whole podcast has been based upon redemption through the blood. We did a, a whole podcast, I think, on the yeah. significance of blood and what blood means and the uh, the bleeding from every pore and the the recurrence of that on the cross, if there's any blood left, and all that that means, this, this cleansing, the blood, which is cleansing, which is healing, and all the symbolism of the blood. It's so interesting that the Savior uses that word twice to be an advocate for us, that it's through, it's through my blood. Behold, he says, look, look at my blood. He's, look at my blood, which was shed. The blood of him whom thou gavest to us, that he, the Father, may be glorified, meaning that he progresses as we progress. That's the whole plan. So I, I just, it's the sufferings and death of him who did no sin. 
the testimony. I mean, Jesus, I, I, I feel like when Jesus is saying that, he said, it wasn't easy, Father. It was not easy for me. I suffered, I died, and I didn't sin. Now, I, again, we've made a whole big deal out of that in a podcast, many podcasts ago, about the suffering of not sinning, how hard that was for Jesus not to sin, that no man knows temptation more than Jesus because he never gave into it. We always cut it short by giving into it. Nobody was tempted harder or longer or more intensely than Jesus. And it's interesting that he focuses on that here. I suffered, I died, and I didn't sin. Now, of course, not just because that was hard for him and difficult for him, and a sacrifice for him, but that it was a requirement of him to not sin so that his sacrifice could be a vicarious sacrifice for us, meeting, in other words, meeting all of the demands of justice in our behalf. If he would have committed one little sin... It would have been done. Commission or omission. Yeah. Yeah. Then he would have been suffering for himself. Yep. And then and not we, for you, not for me. And then we can go to Second Nephi seven through nine to see what would have happened. Everything would have just gone back to its original state, and we as spirit yeah. entities at that point, because our body would have just you know gone back to its original state, ashes for ashes, dust for dust. Yeah. We plan would o- become subject plan to the over, devil. Plan over, because there's no plan B. And we would then become subject to the devil, yeah. the father of lies. Absolutely. Anyway. Uh, and then we go... Verse 5. Verse 5. Wherefore, Father, spare these, my brethren, that believe on my name. Now, we, now that's different, David, than... We've talked about this. Yes. Believing on my name, yes. we're talking about a covenant relationship yes. now. Yes. Faith in Christ is one thing. Faith in the name of Jesus Christ is another. Yeah. It's deeper. It, it, faith, we know faith is action. We know faith is power. But faith in the name of Jesus Christ is a covenant. We are taking upon ourselves a covenant in his name. And we have faith and trust in that covenant. And we have a relationship. We not only have faith in him, we have a relationship with him. That's what faith in the name means. That's what it means to believe in his name. We believe in this covenant relationship. I think this is interesting, this next, this next part of that sentence. I'm going to read the whole thing again, but then I'll point it out. Wherefore, Father, spare these, my brethren, that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. You know, so often we say, uh, in fact, we've made the invitation multiple times in the course of this podcast, David, where we say, you know, that's really what he wants us to do. Just come to me. Just come to me. And there's so many different ways we can come to him. We don't have to have entered into a covenant relationship in order for us to initiate coming to him. But it seems to me that he's saying here that to fully come unto me, faith in my name is really important. To have a relationship with him. In order to have that relationship, which also extends into eternal, or will have everlasting life with him, in order for us to fully come to him, to fully receive the blessings, the relief, all of that. And to become a joint heir with him. then Then that relationship must be a covenant relationship. That requires a covenant, which is faith in his name. We have taken upon ourselves his name, and faith in that process means we have received ordinances and covenants that tie us to him. And every Sunday, we get that beautiful reminder as we partake of the sacrament and renew that covenant. All covenants. All covenants, then, are renewed. Correct. Are renewed. I had an interesting conversation. I'm going to sidetrack us for just a second here, but I had a really interesting conversation with a person in recovery. For whatever reason, I started talking to this person and, and we were talking about recovery, and it was a, a female, and she said to me, she said, um, are you LDS? And I said, yeah, 
and she said, so am I. She grew up in the area, and, and I asked her to what degree her participation was at this point and various things. and not. But she, t- but she had been through the temple. She had entered into a covenant relationship, and, but was going through some really difficult times by decisions that she made and others that she didn't, but really difficult times. And, and I asked her, so how does that work with you? Uh, I, I know how it worked with me. I'm interested always to know with other people because much of my problems had come after I had been to the temple, after I had entered into multiple covenants with my Heavenly Father, as had she. And, and I asked her about that, and I, and I said, how did that reconcile you when you were going through those darkest of times? And she said, Scott, you know what? I could feel my covenants pulling me through. Mm. She said, I broke my covenants. Mm. Heavenly Father didn't break his. Mm. I broke my covenants, and I, and, and I know, and she said this, and I know that because of the redemption of Jesus, this is in an AA meeting, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and she, after, not in the meeting, but after the meeting, she says, I know that because of my covenant relationship with my Heavenly Father, and because of the law of repentance and all of that I get to participate in, I know that my covenants were pulling me through. That's faith in the name of Jesus Christ right there, David. Mm. That's really sweet. Thanks, Scott, for sharing it. And I, I just think so many people who are in the church and that are church-centered and not Christ-centered, that they see covenants as tying themselves to the church or, or another list of things that they have to do in order to earn eternal life. Well, on one side, and yet on the other side, a list of things that I can do that other people will see that I'm living my life the way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I just think that's the wrong way to see it. I, I, I know that covenants are not another checklist of things to do, that covenants are a gift, are a blessing that ties us to Jesus Christ, and that by participating fully in those ordinances and covenants, we do come unto him, we have a personal relationship with him, and we can't ever earn that or earn eternal life, but it puts us in a place to receive the power of godliness in our life because of the relationship, not because of another long list of things I have to do. I th- you just said something that might slide by people, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call it back. Uh, you said we need to receive. Talk about receiving. Well, okay. Let's. We got to read verse eight. Okay. This is verse eight, Scott. You want to read it, or do yeah. you want me to read? Go it? Go ahead. Verse eight, uh, same section, section forty-five. I came unto my own, and my no- my own received me not. But unto as many as received me gave I power to do many miracles and to become the sons of God. That, that means, we, all, we know we're sons and daughters of God, but to be, to be the sons of God means that you're redeemed, that you go home to God, that you live in your heavenly home as a family. Uh, that's what it means to, be, to believe on his name and to become the sons of God means that we're redeemed. And even unto them that believed on my name gave I power to obtain eternal life. That's a gift that is given to us. It is not something that we earn. And we're not talking about living forever here. Uh, eternal eternal life, life does not mean that we become immortalized. That's a gift that all men will receive because of the resurrection. Im- right. Eternal life means that we have been become joint heirs. God's life. His life. That's Celestial right. life. And, and we, we know. Yeah, that's right. DNC Doctrine and Covenants 14.7. Eternal life is the greatest gift. Of all the gifts. It's not something you earn. It must be received. As a gift. You know, Scott, I had I had an experience many years ago. It was actually given to me. I, I want to kind of teach it today maybe as a parable, but it was given to me as a dream. And it was on the night of my birthday, the night after my birthday. So it was on March 4th, 1994. I had been, I had been, 
searching and praying and I was really trying at that point in time in my life to really connect to the Savior, to understand how the gospel works. More specifically, to understand how repentance works, to understand how the atonement of Jesus Christ worked in my life, in the life of my family, and in all of those that I taught. And we were living in Minnesota at the time, and I was coordinating seminaries and institutes and traveling throughout the state of Minnesota. And, and, I, and I had in mind my, my prison brother, David, who we had kind of adopted. I told this story in an earlier podcast. And uh, I wanted to understand if the atonement was there for David. And, and I, I was just really wrestling with this and, and had been for months, if not years. Yeah, I, I've watched you wrestle with this for years. So it yeah. really, it, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, that whole wrestle really started on my mission. I, I think that wrestle started on Parker Mountain. Well, probably on Parker Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Right before my mission, trying to work out my re- own repentance. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this, this, is, um, this was given to me as a, as a gift, as a birthday gift. March 4th, 1994, and in this, in this uh, experience, I was given, a, I was given a, some tickets. They were free to an event that I knew that I could never afford to, to, to purchase these tickets to this event because I, I was, you know, on a seminary uh, salary. I was... I, I was just, I was overcome with, with the, just gratitude uh, by this individual who gave me these gifts, the, these, these tickets. And uh, we were so excited, and we looked forward uh, to, for weeks to go to this event as a family. And uh, the day came, and I, I loaded all of my family in our little white van, and we were driving over to the event, and I... I told my sweetheart, I'm going to drop you and the kids off at the, uh, at the venue, and uh, you go in. I gave them each their ticket, and you, you go in, and, and, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll get back here as soon as I can. I'll go park the car, and I'll come back as soon as I can. And uh, I, I watched them as my wife gave them the t- their, their tickets, the children, and they're going into the event, and they disappear, and then I, I go to find a place to park. And uh, I'm really discouraged pretty quickly because I can't find a place to park anywhere. The, the parking lot is completely full, which is shocking to me because we went way early. I wanted to enjoy the whole event and go way early, get there early. And uh, I couldn't find, I, it was packed. It was already packed. I couldn't find a parking space anywhere. And uh, I went outside the parking lot, and I started to go down all the side streets. It was kind of like spokes of a wheel. And I, I kept going down all these side streets. And, the, and there was nothing, Scott. There was no place where I could park my car. And I finally decided, okay, I'm, I'm just going to have to go to the four-lane highway. And I'm just going to have to go as far as I have to go to get to, to park my car which was a long ways away from where I dropped off my family. And I started to go down this, and I was, I couldn't believe it. There were cars parked on both sides of the road. I I couldn't find a parking place. And I was going 55 miles an hour to try to get to the end of these lines, these, these, this line of cars that were parked. And, uh, so discouraged and going further and further and further away. And finally, a man came out of nowhere, appeared on the island in, in the middle of the road, and got my attention, was waving me down with his arms. I was on the inside lane, and he waved me down, and I slowed down, and he pointed across the street to a parking spot, which I would have completely missed. And... He he went like this with his he motioned with his hand to do like a U turn to turn around yeah. do a U turn yeah. yeah. turn around turn around and so I turned around found the nearest place where I could flip a U turn and went back and he helped me park my car 
I parked my car. I got out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I couldn't thank him enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I started to run to be back with my family. I was afraid I was already going to be late. And I started to run. And I thought, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get there in time. Maybe I can take a shortcut. There were these, this was kind of a strange part of the, the dream for me, but there were these white, steep hills, nothing growing on them. It was like white dust on these hills. And I thought, if I just go up over these hills, I can take a shortcut. I can get there quicker. So I tried to run up this hill, and I slipped, and I slid face down all the way to the bottom. And I tried walk, go, walking up it, and I slipped, and I slid face down all the way to the bottom. Scott, I tried last time to crawl up this hill, and I slipped, and I slid face down to the bottom. I was, I was so discouraged, and I thought, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. I, I kind of leaned over and was, uh, had my hands standing, but had my hands on my knees leaning over and felt impressed to look up, and I looked up down the road, and I could see down the road a man who, about two blocks away, w- walked right up the hill. And I think, how did he do that? How did he do that? And I took off on the run. And as I got closer to where I had seen this man go up the hill, I, I saw it. I saw it. And there was an iron rod on the hill. And all of a sudden, I started to think about what this was all about. And I took hold of the iron rod and I walked up the hill. And as soon as I got up the hill, I saw the place where I had dropped off my family. And it was like I was there. I could see it, and it was like I was transported there. And as I'm approaching the gate where I had seen my family go in, and there's nobody around, I know I'm late. And as I approach the gate, I reach for my ticket in my back pocket where I had placed it. And the ticket is gone. There's no ticket. I reach, I, I check all my pockets. I'm reaching for, uh, I'm reaching for all of my, you know, looking for my ticket. And it's it's gone. I look I I look back, try to look back where I've walked. Can't see it. I know I can't go back. The one thing that is clear in my mind is you can't go back to where you were. You can't go back. And as I'm thinking that thought, look still desperate. I see two individuals walking towards me, quite a ways off, a thousand feet or more. And as they get closer to me, I can I can tell it's a father and a son. And as they come closer to me, I see the father holding all these tickets. He's got, he's got a handful of tickets, and they're kind of in fan shape in his hand, in the shape of a fan. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to stand here really quiet, and as soon as he gets close to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to grab one of those tickets. That's how desperate I was. And as, as they approached me, I lunged literally lunged, jumped to try to grab a ticket. And the father just kind of moved his hand to the side like he was anticipating this. And I fell flat on my face. And there on the ground, laid out flat, I hear, this is the most, this was the most, 
sacred and reverent part of the whole experience for me was that I hear the voice of the Son. And I, I can't begin to duplicate it, but um, it was just so meek. It was just so mild. And the, the, the son said, Dad, we have enough. We have enough? Would they, would they give me one? Would they give me a ticket? And I turned and I looked up and I saw the father take a ticket and hand it to the son and the son reached it down to me. I took the ticket. The son helped me up. He lifted me up face to face now. I look into his eyes. I know there's nothing I can say. There is no words that can express the gratitude and feelings of my heart, Scott. I take the ticket, I turn, and I walk through the gate. I woke up, it was 4 something a.m., and I woke up my sweetheart next to me. And I said, uh, Chris, I've just had a really significant experience. And I had to tell her the whole experience. And I told her my dream. And uh, as I continued to ponder it that morning, there were, there were things that I won't share today or really publicly, that um, that I learned in that dream about myself or about how it really works, how it all works. But this this is what I knew. It's a gift. The ticket was free. There was nothing I could do, no price I could pay, not enough I could give to earn that gift. What I had to do was I had to get myself back to a place where I could receive it after I had lost it. I think we've all been redeemed from children on up, but we lose it as we sin. And when we sin, we're going 55 miles an hour down a four-lane highway to who knows where, away from the presence of God, away from being with Him and our families. That's what we do when we sin. And our desired destination. And a man comes out. I don't know who that man was. I have, I have some thoughts about who that man was, who came out and got my attention and told me to turn around. Might have been a bishop, a teacher, a parent, somebody who had been placed there by God to help me turn around. And I turned around, and I faced the other direction. Help me to park. And I learned there are no shortcuts. But a man showed me the iron rod. I think I know who that man was who showed me the iron rod, the word of God, and as soon as I took hold of it and went up the hill, there it was. Like the tree of life, there it was where I needed to be, where I wanted to be, the love of God and to be with my family. And I, I was there. Scott, there was grace and mercy all along the way. And I get there, and it's still not enough. I've lost my ticket. 
There is nothing I can do to earn my way. And you worked hard to get up that hill to no avail to run. I mean, all of the uh, all of the all of the descriptors that you've used, David, to kind of talk about your arriving. And this isn't the first time I've heard this experience, but every time I hear it, it's it impacts me so much because you worked your tail off to get there. It was even easy. all that work. It, it was wasn't not enough. Easy. You couldn't work it, and it wasn't enough. And the father holding the tickets. Yeah. And so sweet when I heard that voice. We have enough. We have enough. As a suggestion or advocating for me to the father. And the father so willing and happy to hand the son, the ticket, and him reach it down to me, pick me up, and me to feel his love. Uh, uh, I, I, Scott, we, all we can do is qualify ourselves to receive the gift by repenting, by exercising our faith in Christ, the desires of our hearts, and uh, receiving the ticket and having this, having this relationship with him that he gives us the gift. I, I, was, uh, I wanted to make sure that, that this wasn't just a, a dream. I wanted to, uh, I, I shared this with a couple of people before I ever shared it with anyone else, and that was a stake president who I really loved, President Brown in Minnesota, and uh, he, he encouraged me. He says, well, you're friends with, with Robert Matthews. Why don't, you, why don't you talk to Brother Matthews about it? And so I called Brother Matthews. You know, Brother Matthews we've talked about, I think, on these podcasts who wrote the Bible Dictionary, and I had this sweet little relationship with him, and I called him up. And uh, I said, Brother Matthews, I, ha- I had this experience. And can I share it with you? And then you just tell me your thoughts and uh, make sure that I'm doctrinally not off. And uh, I shared it with him. And it was kind of really emotional for me then. And and uh, he just listened the whole time. And when I was through, I said, so is there doctrinally, how do you feel about this? And and he, he just said to me, Thank you very much, David, for sharing that with me. That is how I have always seen it. That's how I have always seen it, he said. And then he said, it reminds me of this scripture. So I'm going to turn to Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, Scott. And uh, we've talked about you have to receive it. It's free, but you have to receive it. You have to get yourself, qualify yourself to be in a position to receive it. And that takes effort. Uh, So section 88, Scott, and I'd like to read it, uh, verses 32 and 33. And Brother Matthews read this to me over the phone. And they who, this is describing um, the resurrections, uh, the different levels of resurrection, and uh, this is describing... uh, those who are resurrected last, actually, the the uh, individuals who uh, will go to a place of no glory, outer darkness. Verse 32, And they who remain shall also be quickened. They'll be resurrected. Nevertheless, they, these are the sons and daughters of perdition, they shall return again to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they were not willing to enjoy that which they might have received. And Brother Matthews, when he read that, I remember him telling me, so, so David, uh, sons of perdition are going 55 miles an hour away from you, from God, and they won't turn back. It's not that they can't, and it's not that God doesn't try to help them turn back. 
they won't turn back. They won't turn around. They won't make their way back. They want nothing to do with it, and they go 55 miles an hour for hundreds of miles away from God. And then verse 33. This, this is, I don't know, maybe one of the most significant scriptures in my life. For what doth it profit a man if a gift is bestowed upon him and he receive not the gift? Or in my case in dream, or he lose the gift. I lost the ticket. Behold, he rejoices not in that which is given unto him, neither rejoices in him who is the giver of the gift. It's not so much the gift, Scott. It's the giver of the gift that we reject. We don't just re- we don't just reject the gift. We reject the giver of the gift. That is the greatest sin of all. And what we do in the gospel of Jesus Christ is we try to have a relationship with that giver of the gift to try to qualify and put ourselves in a position, in a place where we can have that relationship, where we can hear the voice of the advocate. Dad, we have enough. And we look to him, to the Son who receives from the Father all of the power, all of the gift of mercy and grace because of his sacrifice and suffering to offer it to us. And he helps us all along the way. It's not easy, Scott, obtaining redemption to experience salvation and eternal life. But it really is simple. It really is simple. And um, I'm really thankful for the gift of God's Son and the gift that the Son has offered us, the gift of redemption. And if we don't receive redemption, Scott, here and now, I don't think you have to die to have this experience. That was one of the parts of the dream. That wasn't just a depiction of eternal life. That was that was a parable for me to know that I could receive it now. And if we don't receive it and qualify ourselves to receive the gift, we reject the giver of the gift. And that's the great sin. So I, I hope that um, our listeners will, in the, in the spirit that I'm feeling, sharing it, a sacred experience for me, that I, I, I offer that as a gift to, to you who are listening, as something of a gift, that you might be able to see the gospel system the gospel of Jesus Christ as a system of receiving gifts. The plan of redemption is a process of just receiving the gift of redemption and eternal life in our life. That's how it works, God. That's, that's how repentance and the atonement work. That's, that's the kind of the relationship they have with each other, that the atonement of Jesus Christ is there for us, but we have to place ourselves in a position through repentance to receive it. Yeah. And that repentance in that story was the turning around the car. Yes. It was turning around the car with the aid of somebody to do that. You know, what a gift, Dave. That The gift that uh, you received was was uh, beyond measure for you. That was uh, life-changing for me, Scott. It, but, answered, it, answered, it answered all of my questions yeah. that I had been wrestling with. Yeah. And through that gift, we can also be gifted. So thank you for sharing that. Here's going to be my invitation. I I invite us all 
to listen again or revisit some of the important points of David's story. Uh, my first exposure to that was that he has this written, and I, I was able to read that. And, uh, you know, there are lessons, there are things in this uh, dream, in this story that Dave has just shared with us that can be life-changing if we allow them to be. You know, we began our podcast today talking about and reading from the Scripture, and, and one of the invitations uh, or, or comments in that was, they that come unto me and have everlasting life. Wherefore... Father, spare these, my brethren, that believe on my name, that they may come unto me and have everlasting life. And, and I think that for all of us, uh, there may be more. In fact, there's definitely sure to be more for us individually. But for all of us collectively, we can take a look at this and ask ourselves some important questions. And those questions can include, what am I doing to move towards? What am I doing to come unto him? Uh, and and am I have, have which I, directions? Which direction am I facing? Yeah, am I going? Am I going fifty five miles an hour down a four lane highway? Am I going uh, maybe ten miles an hour down one of the cross streets? Uh, which which direction am I going, and how fast am I going, and what's it going to take, or who's it going to take to help me to turn around? And then when I'm coming to him. Uh, and in the dream, you didn't know you were coming to him. We have that vantage point from our from where we sit uh, and seeing this dream. But in coming to him, uh, it was difficult until you followed the right person to yeah, the right path. Boy, that uh, iron rod. Uh, and so often in our own lives, we try to just pick our own path. Uh, for various reasons, uh, and I won't get into all of those. You can. <laughs> you know what they are. Well, and that path, Scott, thank you for bringing that up, because there was a little path. It was a green... <laughs> I, By I, the I, rod. Didn't, I didn't add yeah. this, in yeah. the, but there was a green little path, grassy little path. Up the Powdery Mountain. Uh, up this uh, weird, strange, white, powdered, yeah. dusty mountain, and it was... That was the covenant path, yeah. And taking hold of that iron rod, yeah. And that co- walking on that covenant path almost transported me to the place where I needed to be. So, your your desire in this dream was to get somewhere, to be with my family forever, and and in order for you to receive that gift, receive that gift. You had to do certain things. It wasn't those things that gave you the gift. It, weren't those, it wasn't those things that made that gift available to you in and of themselves, but they were a part of a process that you went through to receive that gift in this dream, the gift above all gifts. Uh, and that's how this is for us. Uh, that gift is for us. It's yeah. free. Yeah, We qualify for it, which enables us and requires us effort from us uh, in, in many ways, and we won't get into all that now for the sake of time. But but I think, David, if we focus on, and I think and this for me is what I'm going to take from what we talked about this week as we end our podcast now, I'm going to take what am I doing to come to him? And what am I doing? And we read this, you know, to believe on my name that they may come to me. What am I doing in my covenants? How's my covenant path? Yeah. What am I doing to enhance my covenants? What am I doing to separate me from them? What am I not doing that I need to do a better what job What is with? the level of my faith in Christ? Or what is the level of my faith in the name of Christ? Yeah. There, there is a difference. And um, before we conclude, Scott, you know, I usually would not share my, my experience with all my students over the many years I taught after having that experience. And I would usually try to teach the same, the same principle about receiving the gift and that, that redemption is free. By the way, Lehi says that. In Second Nephi chapter 2, he says, salvation is free. Or redemption is free. It's not just talking about the resurrection. That's talking about being born again. That talks about spiritual and physical redemption. Anyway, to teach this to my students, I would uh, 
often use this analogy. I would say, so I'm going to give you a completely paid, free gift for a full, all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii. What will you do to get there? What It's all paid for. The airlines, whatever, you, whatever vehicle you want to use, a ship, uh, if you want to go on a cruise, if you want to take the, the flight, I'm going to pay for it. It's all paid for. But I got some stuff to do to get ready for that. If it's, if, right. Even though it's free. Even though that trip is free, that gift is free, I still have sacrifices need, I need to make. I need to make So that's arrangements what I would ask work, my students. Right? This is yeah. the discussion we'd have. Yeah. You're, you're, going, you're going right where I, I would want my students to go, is I would ask them, so, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do to receive the gift? And they would say... Well, I got to get time squared away with work. I'm going to have to figure out a luggage situation. I'm going to have uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to get to the airport or wherever I'm going to transport me to there. I'm going to have to make arrangements to feed my horses. I'm going to you know and, and there's on some a, work. And on and on it goes. Yeah, there's some work. There's it, some it, sacrifice. It's free, but I have to do things in order to qualify to receive that free trip. Exactly. That's it, Scott. And that's how this goes. That's how it is. That's how this goes. That's the plan or system of redemption. Sure changes things. It sure changes things for for it's us. It's not easy. It's not easy. But it's sure simple. And it's and it's not just even if it wasn't completely simple, which it is, I agree. But even if it wasn't, it'd still be worth a little work to get to that freedom. Who wouldn't receive the gifts, God? I know, I know. Well, who wouldn't receive this gift? Yeah. Well, there's been times in my life, David, when I wasn't receiving that gift, and there's been times in a lot of our lives when we just don't receive that gift, and I think we get confused. We let the enemy into our lives, and and on and on. And we could, you know, I could go on and on a lot longer about that as well. But well, the point is, is that the gift is there. It's free for all of us. Uh, we do need to receive it. And and ultimately, this is the point. Who, especially think about this, this time of year. Right. Who is there out there who is not willing to put themselves in a position to qualify so that they can rejoice, um, 88, verse 33, so that they can rejoice in him who is the giver of the gift. Scott, that experience of looking into the eyes of the Savior, of hearing his voice, of being in their presence, completely, completely changed me. I, I, I could never, forever, be the same after that. Who is, who is there? It's, it's not just about the gift. It's about the giver of the gift. And who is there who is not willing to rejoice in the giver of the gift and have that relationship with him? That, that's the ultimate uh, question that I think we should all ponder. And I agree. Let that be our charge this week. Let us uh, consider uh, you know, what we're doing and what we're not doing that uh, can help us get it or that is keeping us away from it. But uh, that gift is ours. It's there for, re- for us to receive. And may we rejoice in him who is the giver of the gift this week, Dave. The, the, you know, this is a time when we think a lot about gifts, Scott. Yep. It's Christmas time of the year, and gifts seem to be the center of it. And the gift of God's Son, the gift that the Father offers us really is he's the ultimate giver of the gift which is the son who gifts us eternal life uh what a a marvelous time of the year and season in our life wherever we're at in our life to ponder have i received the gift 
And do I rejoice in the givers, Father and Son and Holy Ghost, of the gift in my life? And I hope that this Christmas season we can all rejoice in that. Me too. Hey, thanks for being with us, everybody. Another great podcast. We've got a lot of great things coming up. Uh, we, You've probably heard already an interview. We've got a couple more coming up. And then, as we mentioned, we do have that focus that we plan to do uh, at the beginning of the year, uh, beginning with kind of a focus on prayer. Hey, Dave, thanks for being with us again, as always. It's great to be together and do this. Thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody, yep. and uh, Happy New Year, and uh, thank you for the... The, the, the blessing that uh, I know that uh, this is for me and my life, Scott, to be able to, to share these experiences with my family and others through this process and means, and I'm really grateful for that and maybe just feel like it's appropriate today to express my love for my Heavenly Father and for Jesus Christ and uh, to testify that I know that they live and that they have done everything, everything, and then some, to provide us with eternal life and redemption in this life. And uh, I testify that I know that's true by the experiences that I've had, but especially because of the power and the gift of the Holy Ghost in my life. I knew that that dream and experience had come to me as a gift from the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost had provided that experience for me, something as a birthday gift as a result of many years of a wrestle, personal wrestle. And I praise and thank God for that and uh, say all of that in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, David. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, you have been redeemed through his blood. Do all that you can to receive this gift through the gift of the Holy Ghost, a gift providing a gift, and what a gift that will be for all of us. One opportunity that we all have to receive the gift uh, that's choice above all other gifts. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.